This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. It's a beautiful Wednesday in New Orleans, and we're so glad that you're with us here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly. We've got a little football and a little basketball for you here today. Um, And apparently I've got a lot more abuse coming my way as the Cardinals lost to the Cubs again last night. I know you're tired of hearing about it, but boy, I'm getting abused here in the hallways. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, put that behind us. Look, Chuck Cooperstein will be with us today, the voice of the Dallas Mavericks. That series is tied at one apiece heading back to Dallas for game three tomorrow night. Chuck will be here to talk about the amazing finish between those two teams at Chesapeake Energy Arena uh, and in game two. And uh, he'll also kind of uh, back the lens up for us a little bit and give us uh, some real good takes on the other series going on in the Western Conference, um, which didn't hold much drama last night, did it? San Antonio is going to sweep the Grizzlies. uh, And nothing against the Grizzlies. They're just, without Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley, it's just, it's like, it's not even fair, really. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll talk with Chuck about the Western Conference side of the uh, of the postseason right now. And we'll continue our NFL Draft Preview Series today. Uh, look, we're hearing a lot more noise, aren't we? And, and it's hard to know what to believe and what not to believe. Yesterday we brought up the fact that, you know, the Browns may be shopping the number two pick now. Who knows, really? I mean, we're kind of we're kind of into that, that moment in time where it's it's really hard to kind of I guess, plant your feet firmly in anything you hear. <laughs> There's some deception going on. There's wild speculation. Um, you think you know, but you don't know. With all that being said, we're going to continue with our draft preview series and at least try and assess the needs or the, the possible targets of some of these teams as we lead up to the Saints at number 12 uh, in next week's draft. So today is uh, team number six, pick number six, Baltimore Ravens whom we'll see in the preseason. But uh, Garrett Downing will join us from uh, Ravens Digital Media, and uh, he does he does a good job of uh, kind of talking about not only the Ravens draft uh, prospects, but also how their offseason has gone. I mean, they were just, just blasted with injuries last year, and uh, I can't imagine that it was much fun after seeing what we went through with the Pelicans this year. But uh, they've had some positive news. They've had some nice headlines here in the offseason. So uh, we'll talk about the Ravens today. And then we'll continue that draft series uh, all the way up till next week's NFL draft. So we'll take our first break. Uh, we'll go with Garrett Downing first. We'll talk NFL football and the Ravens specifically with him. And then Chuck Cooperstein uh, with some great NBA talk for you following that. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Josh Groban on stage Friday, July 15th at Bold Sphere Music at Champion Square, featuring songs from his new album Stages as well as his classic hits with very special guest Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or by phone at 1-800-745-3000. Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you. Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. This is the Black and Blue Report. Hey, let's continue our run-up to the NFL draft today here on the Black and Blue Report. We look at number six. That would be the Baltimore Ravens. And kind enough to join us here is Garrett Downing from the Ravens Digital Media crew. How many How many in the crew there, Garrett, by the way? Just just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's a, it's a big crew. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have to kind of tally up the roster here. There's, there's about ten of us. Ten. Um, it's a great crew. It's a great crew. Man, we're jealous. We're jealous. <laughs> Hey, we're going to see you guys again, uh, aren't we, in the preseason to wrap things up here in New Orleans? Yeah, we love that trip. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure everybody, when they look at the schedule and they see they have a away game in New Orleans, they probably get a little bit excited. But it has some nostalgia value for us, too. You know, that's where we won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And uh, I think for pretty much every person in this organization and the fans here, I mean, that trip down to New Orleans always uh, is a little something special. So uh, even though it's just the fourth preseason game and no one seems to get too excited about that game, for uh, the team and uh, definitely the staff here. That's going to be one to circle on the calendar. Yeah, it was the same way for us last year. Our fourth and final preseason game was at Green Bay. So getting to go to Lambeau Field was like, okay, maybe the fourth preseason game isn't so bad. Was there any snow on the ground in August there? No, it was perfect. It was the best time of year to visit. (laughs) It was great. Um, Hey, Garrett, I know that the Ravens are looking for better fortunes here in 2016. Um, At least let's start with the offseason. What kind of mood has been around that football team here since the end of the regular season? I think it's been pretty positive, to be honest. I mean, when you look at last year, they just had so many injuries. They had uh, 20 guys finish the season on injured reserve. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, backups or role players. I mean, we're talking about key players, Joe Flacco, Steve Smith, Terrell Suggs. Those are your leaders on both sides of the ball. And by the end of the season, the Ravens had gone through – uh, three quarterbacks. They were on their fourth quarterback, and Ryan Mallett finished the season. He was somebody that uh, started the year on another team. They had Jimmy Clausen uh, start a couple of games. Uh, they had just so, Justin Forsett went down. I mean, you go through it. They had so many injuries. And so, really, when they looked at went into this offseason, priority number one was getting healthy. And so, that's kind of taking care of itself. But then they also needed to add some pieces, and they did that. You know, they picked up um, Eric Weddle, who was probably the most marquee free agent signing, and that's somebody they need in the back end of their defense. Then the other one is a guy that you guys know very well down there is uh, Benjamin Watson. You know, he's coming off a huge year with the Saints, and um, the tight end is is a big-time player. And uh, I know he's kind of on the back nine of his career, um, but the Ravens have really high hopes for him, and he's been a very productive player over the course of his career. So uh, people here are excited about that move as well. You guys are going to love Ben Watson. I mean, on and off the field. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better individual to join your program. Garrett, no doubt about that. Yeah, that's what everyone says, and, and in our short time, we get to know him a little bit here. Um, that certainly has, has rang true. Any other major headlines, would you say, in the last four to eight weeks? 
Yeah, well, the other one, I mean, Flacco's getting healthy. You know, his expectation is to be ready for training camp. That's his hope. Um, I mean, he doesn't have an exact clear date. This is the date I'm going to be back there on the field. But he's he's making good progress. He's already running. Um, he's already throwing a small amount. You know, um, he's here at the offseason programming. He's been here pretty much every day. And uh, so he's making some real strides. And his hope and expectation is to be back for training camp from that torn ACL and uh, not to miss any games. Yeah. And uh, so if that happens, I think that's a really good sign. Oh, no. um, the other piece, you know, the player that the Ravens added, and, and I didn't mention it at the top, is Mike Wallace. Um, and he's a veteran receiver that hasn't played as well the last couple of years, and he's heard that criticism for sure. But people here in Baltimore know him from his time with the Steelers when he was catching bombs from Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, there's a real hope and expectation that putting him alongside Flacco, big speed receiver, big arm quarterback, so that can really make a difference for this offense. And uh, the Ravens are hoping that he's somebody that can take the top off defenses and really open things up for this unit. You bring such energy today. We know about Mike Wallace, too. I, I, I love what the Ravens have done thus far. So let's get to the number six pick here. What do you, what do you foresee uh, at number six for Baltimore? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be defense. You know, unless Larry Tunsil were to be there at six, the offensive tackle out of Ole Miss, Maybe then you take him uh, because a lot of people think he's the best player in the draft, and if you get the best player in the draft at the sixth pick, then you have a steal. Um, but I don't think that he will be there, and I think that the Ravens will go defense. And I think it's really down to three, maybe four defensive players, and those players are Jalen Ramsey, Joey Bosa, Miles Jack, and DeForest Buckner, one of those guys. Um, the Ravens are – they need kind of um, to inject some youth into the defense at a couple of different positions. They need some young pass rushers to add to the mix, um, which is what a Joey Bosa would do in a DeForest Buckner. Uh, Miles Jack, you know, he's somebody that may be the most versatile player in the entire draft. He played linebacker, he can play safety, he can play slot corner, he can play running back if you want to flip him over and put him on the offensive side of the ball. He can do a little bit of everything. And so uh, he would be a really interesting player for the Ravens. They haven't needed a tight linebacker. So I, I, my full expectation is for the Ravens to go defense. And uh, it, it all just depends on which of those players is going to be there at six. And I think there's going to be – they'll probably have their choice between one of those two guys. Yeah, it's funny. Jacksonville's saying almost the same exact thing that they're picking at five. So um, you guys may be all looking at the same thing there, right in five, six, seven range. Yeah, and, and if Jacksonville takes, you know, whoever they take, they'll take one of those guys off the board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll take uh, – Whoever it is, they'll take Jalen Ramsey. He's not no longer in the equation. They'll take both, but he's he's out of the equation. Um, you know, the other just the interesting possibility for the Ravens, and I don't think it's as likely as it was uh, maybe two weeks ago, is they could always move back. Ozzie Newsom basically announced that loud and clear uh, during our pre-draft press conference. He said, "Hey, look, if there's teams that are looking to move up, we'll 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 take the call." Um, but they'd have to get a lot in return, and uh, the big moves already happened with. Uh, <laughs> with the Rams moving up, and it looks like the Browns could make a move potentially too. Um, so the teams looking for quarterbacks are probably already are going to make their moves, which means that the Ravens wouldn't be in position to likely get as much. So I think that they would have had to get kind of a, you know, they'd have to get a bounty to move back, and I don't really see that happening now. So my gut says that they're going to stay there at six and take one of those defensive players. Okay. You guys are like the third team that's talked about being willing to move a little bit. Uh, it, Garrett, does memory serve me correct? Wasn't last year's draft kind of, as far as trades go, kind of like, eh, eh, ho-hum, you know, 
Maybe are we heading back to a volatile situation at least the first two rounds? Yeah, I think we could. I mean, you know, we the thing is though, we kind of already saw the biggest move, obviously. Right. You know? The big one's that done. Happened. Yeah. The big one's done. I think there will be a little bit of, you know, jockeying a few picks here, a few picks there. But when you are when you take the, the big ones and you get the quarterbacks out of the equation, that's really what usually creates the movement is the quarterbacks. Because you get a team that, you know, it's sitting there at whatever fifteen and they want to they, they really want their guys, so they move up 10 picks or 12 picks or whatever it is. And uh, if you take that out of the equation before the draft happens, then it's not quite as exciting on draft night from a trade perspective. But, you know, I, the Ravens have always been willing to move. Uh, even with the year they got Joe Flacco, I think they started at 8, they moved back to like 26, and then they moved back up to 18 to get Flacco. You know, so that's that's a couple trades on draft night. And, uh They've been willing to do that. They love to accumulate picks. And so um, if they feel like there's a scenario that presents itself to them, they have a history of doing it, and it would they would. But, again, I, I personally I don't see the trade being there because the quarterbacks are already probably going to be off the board. Garrett, let's take your prognosticating to a, a little deeper level here. Beyond the number six pick, or the first round pick, I should say, for the Ravens, um, what would you say are some secondary needs that they'll need to – take care of as they flesh out their entire draft board yeah well that's corners still a need um obviously we've got a phrase around here you can never never have enough corners and the ravens have learned that over the past couple of years so i I think they're going to want to get a good young cornerback in the mix here and so that let's just say they go defensive line or pass rusher in that first round then i would think second round definitely to me looks like a cornerback um they're also going to need some good young offensive line help for down the road you know maybe that's a mid-round pick and depending on what happens early on, they need pass rushers. You know, the, the, it's been clear. Our owner here, Steve Bashotti, has talked about how he loves pass rushers and how you need a lot of them in today's NFL. I mean, we all watched the Super Bowl. We saw the importance of premier pass rush and what that can do for a team. And so the Ravens are on the lookout for adding big-time pass rushers. Now, they still have Elvis Umerville. They still have Terrell Suggs. Both of those guys are over 30. And so they want to get some some young pass rushers in the mix. So if they don't get one – but at number six, when I think they're going to be looking hard for one uh, in the second round and the third round potentially. So, um, And then I, I think also in, in the mid-rounds, Ravens have four fourth-round picks. And um, the people here have said, our front office has said, that's pretty much going to make or break this year's draft. And so that gives the team ammunition if they want to move up a little bit, you know, maybe move from in the second round up to the end of the first round or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if they don't move, um, then they've got to find some really quality players there. And I think that that's like the range that they would like to find a, a good uh, wide receiver. You know, you're not necessarily going to get an A.J. Green in the fourth round, uh, but they want to find some good young receivers to develop too. So um, I kind of threw a lot at you there, but that's that's kind of the way I see um, what the Ravens need and uh, how that fits with what they have in the draft this year. No worries, man. We like a lot of stuff, especially when it's good. So uh, well done. Uh, unfortunately, uh, everybody but Houston and Denver is looking for pass rushers, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Garrett, we'll hope to see you uh, late August, early September for that fourth and final preseason game. And uh, I, I, I'll tell you good luck. How about that? Is that fair? Yeah, that sounds it's, uh, it's all friendly during the preseason. Yeah. I, mean, I think most people are going to be excited to grab some oysters from Dragos and uh, hang out and uh, enjoy themselves a little bit while they're there. Beautiful. We'll be uh, we'll be eager to see what Baltimore does uh, as we'll be halfway to the New Orleans pick then at 12 uh, come next week. So, Garrett, thank you very much. Nice job today. 
All right, thank you very much for having me on. You got it. Garrett Downing with us from Ravens Digital Media. Talk some NBA playoffs here in just a moment. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an Auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report. All right, I want to talk some NBA playoffs uh, here on this Wednesday, specifically really the Western Conference. And uh, to help us do that, of course, we're uh, very, very pleased to have the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, back on the Black and Blue Report. Hello, Chuck. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to talk to you. I haven't seen you in a while. We haven't, you know, it's interesting the way the schedule worked out this year with regard to divisional foes. We, it was either we saw everybody like in a three week span or. You know, we didn't see each other for six months, uh, so I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. Well, what? It's, it's January, right? I mean, yeah. we played two games in November and two games in early January, and that was it. Done. It was done. It was uh, by done. the way, I didn't. I did not recognize the names on your roster by the end of the year. Is that okay? Uh, well, since I didn't either, yes, it's okay. No, <laughs> I, I, I kid a little bit. Um, you know, the end of the season was actually. Uh, very interesting because there were guys that I didn't know a whole lot about and because they came in and kind of gave it their all to audition, whether it be for us or another NBA team down the road. So even though the season was lost, um, I did like watching some guys really bust their butts uh, down the stretch of the season. So in that sense, it was okay. Um, But for you guys uh, now in the postseason, again, uh, you've made things awfully interesting. And let's start with your series with Oklahoma city at one, one and, and Chuck, after the opening game of the series, I didn't think we'd be sitting here at one-one. Did you? Oh no! Uh, I mean, I thought the Mavericks would would win a game in the series. I did think they'd win one. Uh, I thought they might be able to win two, just because I I think that Rick Carlisle is that good a coach, and I do think that Oklahoma City does have that implosion element about them, even with the two great players that they have. Uh, but. They got the one. They got it sooner than I thought they'd get. I'm not sure that given their health right now that they're going to be able to get much more than that. But they have adopted a style that has allowed them, for the most part, to stay in games. And, you know, 
when you're playing Oklahoma City, that's really all you're looking for is to stay in the game and try to steal it late on them. And it's happened 15 times this year, which is, you know, I, I have not gone through the record books, but uh, I can't imagine we've ever seen a team that's won 55 games or more lose 15 games, including one of the postseason. Uh, so 14, if you want to be more precise, uh, when they have a fourth quarter lead. I mean, it's just astonishing. What is what? Are, what are the ingredients of such a toxic cocktail? Why? Why does that team cough it up like that? I think they resort to hero ball. You know, they've got two great players uh, who rightfully believe that they can beat anybody, uh, whether off the dribble or off pull ups, whenever they want. And sometimes that works, and a lot of times it doesn't work. I mean, Durant and Westbrook the other night were just, you know, they were dreadful. They were 15 of 55 combined. Durant had the worst shooting night of his career on Monday night, which is why, you know, the Mavericks can't really count on that happening again. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. But I think sometimes that is what they resort to. And, you know, you've got guys that are just sort of standing around and watching. And, uh, you know, a guy like Deion Waiters or Anthony Marlowe, I mean, guys who are, are somewhat capable players, you know, they don't really touch the ball. Uh, there's not a lot of movement in, in the Oklahoma City offense. It's a very much isolation uh, offense where you know, anybody else who touches the ball is catching it as a result of some type of drive and kick. It's, or, you know, it's not like they're, they're playing even a whole lot of screen roll or anything like that. It's, it's kind of a, a weird dynamic uh, where you're, you're asking athletes, you know, to out-athlete you to win, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's there's really no other way to put it. I, I do want to ask you this, though, because it was such a crazy finish. Chuck, have you ever called a game uh, as a visiting broadcaster uh, where your team won and yet the home team is blowing confetti all over the, the arena? Have never seen it. <laughs> have never seen that. And, and, the, and the crazy thing about it, Sean, was, you know, I called it good and the game's over, because I saw David Guthrie, the baseline referee, emphatically say, good. Well, I mean, what am I, what am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> you say, good, game over, but it will be reviewed. And so uh, it was reviewed. And, and I'll admit that when I saw it initially, I thought that the ball was in his hand. I did believe the ball was in his hand. But, you know, what are you going to do? You, you're just caught out there in no man's land. Uh, yeah, so the place is going nuts. But you could then see you know, Westbrook and Durant uh, both uh, realizing that uh, they didn't think they won the game. They they thought that Adams had it in his hand when the horn sounded or when the red lights went on. And so, yes, then you had that very surreal, you know, uh, the place is going absolutely bonkers to, like, a lot of silence, and you see the, the bench over to your right just going absolutely crazy, which is – it was really something. It was it was a heck of a night, a crazy ending for sure. No doubt. Can a win like that, something so strange uh, as far as the environment goes, can that in any way help Dallas as that series comes back to Big D? Well, I mean, look, you know, you you want to be able to show the opponent that you can beat them. So any way you beat them, you you take that. I think the Mavericks know that uh, you know, given their health situation, and even if they didn't have. Uh, the health issue that they were going to be an underdog in this series. Uh, but I think that they have embraced this underdog role and, and frankly, that the style change that Rick Carlisle's employed, uh, you know, in the last 12 games of the regular season, so basically the last 14 games, 
you know, they, they see that it's worked. So confidence breeds confidence. It's on, on nights when they don't shoot the ball well, which frankly is most nights. In fact, in this time, they've only had two games in which they've shot above 45%, and yet they've gone 83 in those games. You know, it's, it's just absolutely insane to, to think this. Uh, that the, Ma- the Mavericks of all teams, the Mavericks, a team that's always been known for their shooting and their pretty passing and offense, what, and this is a team that has become the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> you know, a, a grit and grind team that doesn't even rebound the ball that well and yet somehow finds a way to win games. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, would, would you say, uh, how do I phrase this here? Does, does one more Dallas win make this a great series or – does it is it going to take more than that? Is that I don't know if I'm phrasing oh, this right. Well, no, I I, I think what one one more win, and especially if that win comes tomorrow night, yeah, makes this series absolutely fascinating. Okay. I, I don't think there'd be any other way to look at it, and it will certainly conjure up memories of two years ago when the Mavericks of the eighth seed played the top seeded Spurs, and Vince Carter hit a shot falling out of bounds to win the game a three pointer at the horn, and the Mavericks went up two games to one. And, you know, wow, at that point. And then, you know, San Antonio needed a huge rally to win game four. Uh, DeJuan Blair uh, gets kicked out of, uh, game, uh, of, uh, of game four at the end of that game. There was, he got into a skirmish, and the Mavericks wound up losing a really close game in game five. They win game six you know, because they had gone small at that time. Uh, you know, when, when Monte Ellis had just gone berserk. And so, I mean, they got into a seventh game. They had no business getting to a seventh game against the Spurs, who obviously went on to torch everybody else that year to win the championship. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Oklahoma City, Sean. I, I really do. And I, I don't know if you've got this sense watching them this year, uh, but I have not sensed a lot of joy in watching them play, even as great as Westbrook has been at times uh, with the triple-doubles and as efficient as Durant has been shooting the ball maybe at a historic clip. I, I think there's something to the whole Durant free agency thing, although I think he's handled it publicly as well as it could be handled. Um, I, I, and I think the, just the, the overall pressure on the franchise, you know, which four or five years ago was looked at as the up-and-coming a team that was going to be there and be there year after year after year after year playing for championships after they lost to Miami in the finals in 2012. But look what's happened. San Antonio never went away. And Golden State jumped up and raced past them. Yeah. And now you've got Durant in free agency and likely to sign a one-year deal uh, before the new CBA is re- the CBA is redone and you know, we figure out just where everything is going forward. But their window is closing. Uh, at least for the moment, it's closing. And I think there's tremendous pressure on them to try to get things done. And I think maybe that also has something to do with uh, with their fourth-quarter woes because those two guys are the faces of the franchise, and they're the ones on whom the responsibility for success or failure rests. Is Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City next season? I think he is. Okay. I think I, Ultimately, I think he signs a one-year deal. You know, he and Westbrook become free at the same time. Again, if the CBA is going to be reopened and it looks uh, in, uh, you know, for all the world as if it will be, uh, you know, in November or December, whatever it is, you know, we get to next summer. I mean, it looks, it looks optimistic, but I think everybody wants to know what the landscape is. 
Uh, so it, it doesn't really make sense for Durant to do anything else but to re-sign in Oklahoma City uh, for a year uh, and then see how it all plays out. Let's widen our scope a little bit. Memphis is in trouble. Houston is in trouble. Uh, Portland didn't look so good the other night. Are there any other series with any kind of intrigue in the Western Conference here in round one? Uh, I guess there's some intrigue in the Houston Golden State series uh, because even if Golden State doesn't play Curry and they decide to rest him tomorrow night in game three, you know, can they just blow Houston out four times even if Curry doesn't play in uh, three and a half of those games? Yeah. That would be that to me. That, that that's that's kind of intriguing, and and to me, you know, watching the Rockets implode is, I mean, it is like watching a train wreck, uh, because uh, you know, I've just never been a fan of the whole concept of. I wish I came up with this term of bombs and bunnies. <laughs> that that's uh, somebody told that that told that to me a couple weeks ago, and I loved it, and I'm using it now forever and ever and ever. Bombs and bunnies, three pointers or layups, nothing in between. Uh, the fact that they have a, a terrific center in Dwight Howard who doesn't touch the ball. You know, James Harden holds on to the ball forever. Uh, you know, Reeves is a pretty good player, but they've never been able to get anything solidified uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, for a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, uh, to see this fall apart as dramatically as it has uh, without any injuries uh, is really quite remarkable. And obviously, anytime Golden State takes the floor, it's remarkable. Yes. So uh, I, do, I do want to see them play. Uh, San Antonio, Memphis, uh, you know, there is nothing to watch here. Um, unfortunately, no Gasol, no Mike Conley. Uh, you know, those guys would certainly give Memphis a better chance. But even with those guys, I'm not sure that it would make a whole lot of difference against San Antonio, who is just, just ruthlessly efficient and, and incredible on the defense. And then, the thing about San Antonio that amazes me, they're playing defense like they played 10 years ago when they had the best defense in the league, and they still have their offensive component that they've added in the last five years. I mean, they really do have the best of both worlds. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's something. And, you know, I mean, uh, as far as Portland and, uh, and the Clippers go, I don't know that one game tells us a whole lot, although I do love Chris Paul, and uh, I, I think he was phenomenal. And I think, you know, the, the issue with uh, – reinserting Blake Griffin into the lineup and getting him more minutes and getting him more comfortable is something that's certainly worth watching. And I, th- I think Portland, when the series ships back to Portland for, for the next two games, for games three and four uh, after tonight, uh, I think we'll, we'll know more on that series. I think that series might have a little something because the Clippers are kind of squirrely themselves. Uh, I mean, you just don't know really what you're going to get out of them. Although I will say their bench has started to play better toward the end of the year. I mean, Austin Rivers has been a whole lot better. Obviously, Crawford's the sixth man of the year. And Cole Aldridge has really played well uh, when DeAndre George's gone to the bench. They haven't lost much at all uh, when they bring him into the game. So they might actually have been able to add something. And that doesn't even include Jeff Green, who really, to me, has been somewhat of a disappointment since the trade. Yeah, no, he has. But we all know what kind of talent he has, too. So, um... Well, Everybody's been, everybody's been looking at that, right? right. I mean, from the moment he was drafted, everybody's looked at that talent, and they want to be disappointed when they put him out on the floor for long stretches of time. Fair, fair assessment, fair assessment. Uh, good stuff, my friend. I hope that you enjoy the heck out of the rest of the series. Um, and I know that the Dallas fans will be fired up after that win the other night. Yeah, they will. Uh, we just kind of wish it wasn't the 6 p.m. game, but uh, you know, we fell victim to, to Stephen Curry and the uh, the Warriors juggernaut. So 
uh, they're the late game behind us. Uh, not easy getting to the American Airlines Center at, uh, at rush hour, but uh, they'll make the most of it. Uh, they've, they've done some cool things to you know, try to entice people to, to get down there early and uh, you know, be in their seats for a 6 o'clock. Tip. Should be fun. That's tomorrow night, right? Yes, it is. All right. Chuck Cooperstein, voice of the Dallas Mavericks, with a great, great uh, – assessment of the Western Conference playoffs as they stand right now. All right, Coop, enjoy the series. I'll look forward to talking to you again. Hey, you never know. Maybe, right, I'll, man. maybe I'll call you back for round two, huh? Now, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be something, and I'll have you here. So, Coop, thanks a lot. Oh, all right, Sean, take care. Hey, you too. There he goes, voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Chuck Cooperstein here with us. We'll wrap up today's show in just a moment. New Orleans 2016. One night. One band. New Orleans, they're back. Guns and Roses. Live for one night only. July 31st, Mercedes Benz Superdome. Get access to preferred tickets with your city card. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. Trust isn't something that's easily built over video screens or with long-distance calls. That's why at Whitney Bank, we make it a priority to be here for you with more local branches offering face-to-face service. Whitney customers leave with more than a transaction receipt in hand. We listen to your goals and have what it takes to help you achieve them. Drop by today and ask about our new relationship checking packages with built-in personal identity security features. Whitney Bank, here today, here when you need us, here to build a future with you. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. Uh, for those of you listening to our podcast in New Orleans today, heads up, the vice president, I think, is in town this afternoon. Could get a little dicey around town. There's a massive convention also breaking loose uh, this afternoon as well. Um, so enjoy the sunshine. I know there's a chance of rain, but uh, you might be mindful of traffic and maybe an alternate route later on today, depending on uh Vice President Biden's schedule and the uh, letting go of some 20,000 people at that convention downtown here today on this Wednesday. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. I guess I'm thinking about this weekend, too, because it's Jazz Fest weekend number one. So basically from the moment you hear this podcast today all the way through the weekend, it'll be a little crazy uh, in the Crescent City. Uh, For those of you that aren't in our metro area, we're sorry we wish you were. That's for sure. We'll hope that at least you'll be with us tomorrow for the Black and Blue Report. Daniel Sowerson will be hosting, and uh, we'll look at pick number seven, which will be the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Joel Myers, the television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, is scheduled also to be on the show. Um, Good to hear from Joel because we had Jim Eichenhofer yesterday. We'll get Joel's perspective uh, tomorrow. And I would imagine it won't be just Pelican stuff. It'll be probably... Uh, a good look at the NBA playoffs as Joel was dialed in on that. So that's the Thursday edition, and then our draft series will continue on Friday, and we'll also talk a little little NFL fantasy football on Friday as well. Um, Daniel tells me it's never too soon to be thinking about your fantasy football team. He's nodding his head in agreement. Um, Thanks again for being with us today. Thanks again to Chuck Cooperstein from the Dallas Mavericks and Garrett Downing from the Baltimore Ravens. Had a great Wednesday, and we hope that you have a great rest of your Wednesday. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. 
Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.